Welcome to the Grace to the City podcast, an outreach of Grace Baptist Church of Southwest Ranches, Florida. We want to be a church that changes the world. Come learn more about us by visiting www.gbcministry.org. We're looking this morning in the book of Luke, uh, Luke uh, chapter number two this morning. Luke chapter number two. And really, there's a, we've been looking at a lot of different truths about Christmas and the Christmas season and looking at a lot of things about Christmas. And today I want to encourage you with something that really has touched my heart greatly, uh, especially this week. And we're looking in Luke chapter number 2, and we're going to look at verse number 8. Verse number 8. The Bible says, And there were in the same country shepherds uh, keep abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And then it says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And it says, And the angel uh, said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring unto you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. Verse 11, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Then it says this, you shall be, It shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. And it says, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. It says they came with haste, they ran, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Today, I want to talk to you about Christmas. We've been looking about how Christmas represents God coming down to be with us. But today, I want to reflect and view and look at the beautiful truth of how Christmas is confirmation that God keeps His promises. Do you believe that God keeps His promises? What happens is, though, we get, uh, sometimes God's promises are hard, they're difficult, they're a little scary, we can get disillusioned, and to understand that the truth about this verse is proof that God keeps his promises. Today, you might be a person that you are in a need of a promise from God, or God has given you a promise, and you're just getting terrified understand my encouragement to you this morning is that Christmas is confirmation that God keeps his promises. You know, I, I want to focus on that truth because many of you this morning are going through difficult things, going through hard things. How many are going through something tough in your life right now, all right? Lots of hands all over. Life is very tough. The, the statement is, if you either been through something tough, or you're going through something tough, or you're about to get into something tough in your life. And Christmas, one of the things, you know, we have, uh, you know, all the celebration, but I want to bring to your focus on something that will affect you in January, February, when we're out of the Christmas season. Something about Christmas is that God keeps His promises. God keeps His Word. He keeps His Word to you. He keeps it in His perfect, loving timing. God will not fail you. Do you believe that? Let's say it. God will not fail me. Ready? God will not fail me. We think that though. Sometimes we say to ourselves, is God going to fail me? And really Christmas is proof that God will not fail you. He will keep his promise to you. And I want to encourage you with that this morning. 
the Bible gets, starts off with a promise. Why is Christmas the, pro, the, the demonstration that God keeps His promises? Well, I have to go with you in the Bible to Genesis chapter 3. Take your Bible. If you have a Bible, or take your phone, because this is really important. Go to Google. I don't care how you do it, but go to, go, go to Google and type in Genesis chapter 3. Or if you have a Bible, go to Genesis chapter 3. This is the start of a beautiful promise when it comes to Christmas. So why would Genesis have anything to do with Christmas? I thought Genesis was all about Adam and Eve eating fruit in the garden. And that is true. The Bible does speak about that. But the first promise of Christmas. What is Christmas by the way? Christmas is the eternal Son of God. Leaving heaven to be born on this earth. To be God with us. So that He could die for our sins on the cross and give us life. That's what Christmas is really about. Christmas is about a manger where God came down. The God-man, God came with us and He could live this life and this earth to suffer and and endure everything that you and I suffer so that He could go and die on that cross to give us life. That's what Christmas is. That's what it truly teaches about. That's what the Bible teaches about. And really, where is the first promise of Christmas? Well, it's found in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15. Now, if you study the Bible, and students of the Bible will look at Genesis chapter 3, and this is the lowest point, the worst point in all of humanity. God just recently created the world, and He made Adam and Eve, and they lived in a garden, and they were walking with God, and face to face, every day, they could walk with God, and interact with God in a a powerful way, in a way that we have to wait to get to heaven to, to experience ourselves. But they got to walk with God, enjoy God, and God gave them one rule. He gave them the, the gift of free will. He didn't just force them to walk with Him. But he gave them the free will to make a choice whether they wanted to walk with him or not, interact with him or not, have a relationship uh, with, with him or not. He didn't create robots. He created people with free will. He said there's one choice, one way out. You, you can do this. Don't do this. He kind of made a command. He said don't eat of the fruit of the tree. If you do that, you will die. So he gave them a choice. And you know the story, you might have heard the story, how the devil came to Eve and tempted her. And, and, and she, he said, you, God's lying. God doesn't know what he's talking about. And she, she took of that fruit. And then Adam saw what happened. And he made a choice. Is he going to choose his, his wife? Or is he going to choose life with God? And he chose, he chose death. He chose his wife. He bit of the fruit. And the Bible says God knew exactly what happened and came down to them. And they literally hid from God. They ran from God. They tried to cover their sin because the Bible says they knew they were naked, they were exposed, and they they tried to cover themselves up with fig leaves. But God, even though they sinned against God, even though they fell, even though they just ruined the entire creation, even though they ruined the entire world by their choice, their free will choice, God still loved them. God still pursued them. Aren't you glad God still pursues us? To know that even when we ruin ourselves, God is still after us. That's what God has done. And this was what God did here in Genesis 3. He went to them and he confronted them in their sin. But then he gave a promise. He said in verse number 15, this is kind of, you're thinking, how can this mean Christmas? I I will roll this out to you today. But Genesis chapter 3 verse number 15, God said, I'll put enmity, I'll put conflict, I'll put a war between thee, speaking to Satan, and the woman. Between thy seed, your offspring, and the woman's offspring, 
It says that it shall bruise thy head. So the, the, there will be somebody from a woman that's born that will crush your head, Satan. But it says at the end that you're going to bruise his heel. You're going to wound him. But he is going to crush you. Somebody's coming that will destroy you. It, that is really, truthfully, the first mention of the promised one. The first mention of a Savior in the entire Scriptures. How, how God said, I will send somebody to be a Savior. I will send somebody to be a rescuer. Look at the first two, three words. It says, and I will. I will do something. God gave us a promise. The truth about Christmas is proof that God keeps His promises. I promise to send a rescuer. In the Old Testament, if you go through the whole, pretty much this, this, this much of the Scriptures here, it's a rolling out and a focusing of this promise to, to, to mankind. All these stories that you grew up in Sunday school hearing or, or might have seen on, 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 on the Bible, on, on, on Netflix, and, and all those different stories that are, that are a little bit out there in our culture, all of those stories are a, are a focus and a, and a clarification of the promise. If you go with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 7 is, are some very explicit promises towards the end as this, uh, as this promise was approaching. Isaiah chapter number 7, it says this, it speaks about, it clarifies uh, a little bit more of what God had promised his people. Isaiah says, it talks about a virgin. Therefore, a virgin shall, shall conceive and bring forth a child. You can see this in Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14. It says, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And the New Testament says that Emmanuel means God with us. And God says, I'm going to promise that a virgin will conceive and bear forth a son. That's impossible. Do you agree that's impossible? But Mary, she says, it's impossible. But God himself, when he spoke to her, he said this, but it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Nothing's impossible with God. Now understand how God did a miracle here with the virgin birth. It was a promise. You turn a page over to Isaiah chapter number 9. It speaks more about this promise getting more and more into focus. Isaiah chapter 9 verse number 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of His government and peace, there, there should be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth and forever. And to understand that, that God is giving us a, a more focused promise saying there is somebody coming. I, I will send somebody to be the rescuer that will set everything right. Ladies and gentlemen, is our world screwed up? Yesterday I was in the mall on Friday night. I was in the Pembroke, Pembroke Pines Mall. I was in Macy's on the second floor. And I was buying Amy uh, some Christmas gifts. And all of a sudden I heard a commotion. I heard people running and screaming. People were running up the, the down uh, way of the escalator. Running for their lives saying, there's a shooting going on in the mall. And I'm standing there and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I didn't bring my gun today. <laughs> 
And so I went over to a concrete pole and stood there for cover, and I listened. And I didn't hear the pop, pop, pop. And, and I, I waited a little bit. Then all the, the whole Pembroke Pines Police Department came running into the mall and, 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 and with their guns drawn, rifles out, looking for a shooter. And thank God that nothing happened. It was just panic, to be honest with you. Something fell over and somebody freaked out, but they thought there was danger. But, but in our world, sometimes it's not a false alarm like that. Sometimes it really happens. Our world is full of death. Our world is full of, full of destruction. It's full of pain. And to understand that our communities, uh, just even recently in South Florida this year, has been a very painful, awful year for our people. And to understand that our world is ruined. Would you agree with me with that? All right. Our world is ruined. And our world is ruined because we are ruined. Every one of us are, are corrupted by sin and broken and we, we have the effects of the sin in our lives that, are, that destroy us. And what God promised was that he would send somebody to make it all right. Aren't you glad that God is going to make it all right someday? He's going to make it all right. There will be no violence. There will be no suffering. There will be no injustice in this world. God will set it all right. That's what this is speaking about. A promise is coming. The promise of one who would go and die in our place. Go with me to Isaiah 53. This is beautiful. Who is this one that is coming to be the Savior? Isaiah 53 speaks about some beautiful things, about this one that is coming to be the Savior, this one that is promised, the promise of God. This was a prophecy. It says he was despised in Isaiah 53, verse number 3, a rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces with him. He was despised. And we esteemed him not. It says, surely he hath borne our griefs and he carried our sorrows. Yet we looked at him, we saw, esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But then it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The, the chastisement or the punishment for our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. To see that God was, was bringing into focus this promise. A rescuer was coming. A savior was coming. And, and, and he said this one is going to be born of a virgin. He's going to be God with us. And he's going to have authority. He's going to have kingdom. He's going to set things right. He is going to rule. But before he does that, he is going to die. He is going to be pierced. It, the Bible it was clarifying the truth that somebody was going to come to die in our place. Very much through the Bible, there's symbolism through the Old Testament. The symbolism of a lamb being used as a symbol to, to, to die in the place and to cover the sins of, of another. And that concept co comes over and over and over again through the Old Testament. Somebody dying in the place of another to give life. Oh, there was a story in Genesis where God told Abraham, to take his son Isaac up to a mountain. And God said, I, Abraham, I want you to kill your son. And Abraham thought it was crazy. And, but, but he was trying to wrap his mind around what, what he's going to do. And he, and he came out in his mind saying, my son Isaac, who God promised would, be, would bring the Messiah, the, the promised one through his line. I, I, I believe I'm just going to follow God. And I think God's strong enough, even if I kill him, to raise him from the dead. That's what the Bible teaches, what was going through Abraham's mind. And Abraham, with all that faith and all that not understanding, but still believing in God, was about to plunge his knife into his son. But God said, stop. 
I know that you love me more than anything. And God himself will provide a lamb. God himself will provide a replacement. The Bible says that Abraham looked up and he saw this, this, this sheep, this ram caught in some bushes. And, and that, that sheep gave, you know, they took him and he died in the place of his son. A beautiful picture, an explicit picture of what the coming Savior was going to do and what he was going to be. He was going to be somebody that would die in our place. He would carry our sins so, so that because we were separated from God. To understand that God's promise is getting louder and louder and louder. But then something happened. God went silent. You know, if you go to the the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, you don't have to turn there. Between Malachi, the end of Malachi, and the beginning of the book of Matthew is 400 years of silence. 400 years of nothing from God. If you take 2019 and you minus 400 years, we are in the 1600s. Right? We, are, you know, we are in the, in the early stages of when the United States was first settled. This was before the pilgrims. 1619, I think, is when, the, when the, uh, the, 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 the Jamestown was founded. And to think all that has happened since then, all the generations and all the human history, to understand that the end of the Old Testament, when God is yelling out this promise, I promise, I promise, I promise, God went silent, the line went dead. And here's the thing I want to encourage you with today. God gives his people promises. Do you believe that? If you believe that, say amen, all right? God gives us promises. But sometimes those promises go silent. Sometimes that line goes dead. Sometimes you're in a situation and things are going and God just seems a million miles away. And it's completely silent. And you're crying out to God and you're getting no feedback. And you're crying your promise out to God and nothing is happening. I don't know about you, but the hardest thing in life is when God is silent. When God is silent. When God is not helping you in your problem, in your situation. You know, the people of Israel, they suffered greatly for those 400 years. They were invaded several times, several civil wars, several horrific, unjust leaders. Several times their their whole nation came to the brink of annihilation. In those 400 years, God was silent. But when God is silent, He's still there. And when God is silent, He's still faithful. And if you look at the historical time, how God intervened even in his silence, even after being so loud with this promise, he was silent. You know, God is still with you, even though he might be silent. You know, God knows how much you hurt. Do you believe that? God knows how scared you are. He knows how disappointed you are at life. God knows how disappointed you are in yourself. God knows how disappointed you are in God. Because when God's silent, do we get disappointed with God? He knows that. He knows that. He knows how much you want to give up. He knows how much you want to give out. He knows how much you want to give in. He knows that you're not okay. People walk around, how you doing? I'm doing fine. But on the surface, you're not okay. You're struggling. You're not okay. God knows that. He knows that you're thinking that life is not supposed to turn out this way. 
He knows that your load is heavy. He knows that your problem is too big. He knows your discouragement. He knows you don't have enough. He knows that you've failed, that you've sinned. He knows that you have quit on God. He knows. But the truth is, when God is silent, we have this temptation to lose our way and we give up hope. You just lose hope. You just give up. You just quit when God is silent. But I want to encourage you this morning, don't give up the faith. Don't give up on God. Can I get an amen to that? All right. We need to tell ourselves, don't give up on God. Let's say it together. I won't give up on God. Ready? One, two, three. I won't give up on God. Why? Because when God is silent, He's still there. God keeps His promises. God keeps His promises. Don't give up. Keep the faith. Why? Because when God was silent, He was still working. you got to go with me to this book of the Bible called Galatians. It's in the New Testament. Google it, find it. Galatians chapter 4, verse number 4. Watch this. Then we're going to go back to Luke, our passage. But Galatians chapter 4. 400 years of silence. 400 years of God saying nothing. 400 years of waiting and waiting and waiting through awful situations. What did God do? The Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, verse number 4, it says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son. When the fullness of time was come, that's when God sent forth His Son. You could also translate it at the very best time, God sent His Son. At the right time, God sent His Son. Why can you keep the faith? Why don't you have to get discouraged? Why, why it's, it's okay to not be okay? Why can you go and endure that when God is silent? Because God is working out for His best timing. I'll tell you this, your problem will not, less, will not go one second less and one second more of God's perfect plan for your life. What you're going through, your hardship, your discouragement, your battle, your battle and struggle with temptation, all those things will not last one less second less or one second more than God's perfect timing. I'll tell you this, that God's timing is perfect. Why? Because God knows what's best and God loves you. Do you believe that? God loves you. God loves me. And to understand that it's perfect in His timing. Absolutely perfect. Perfect timing. i got to go with you back to Luke chapter 2, verse number 11. Luke chapter 2, this is where we started. And I'm going to show you something wonderful and beautiful in this Christmas story. There's these angels... And they start declaring what's going on. This baby is born. And it says in Luke 2.11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So after thousands of years of promising and promising over and over again, finally it gets to the point where it seems like it's going to happen. And all of a sudden God goes silent. He goes silent for 400 years. And then the announcement, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. God kept His promise. Can we say God keeps His promises? Ready? God keeps His promises. God kept His promise. That baby's cry in the manger is proof that God keeps His promises. It's beautiful to understand that. Now here's something wonderful. 
God made the promise to a nation. He made this promise to a people. But it gets very beautifully specific in Luke chapter 2, verse number 25. It gets beautifully specific. Because yes, it's wonderful that God makes a promise to a nation. What about when he makes a promise to me? What do you, when he makes a promise to you as an individual? How, how, what does that look like? Well, Luke chapter 2, extremely personal promise from God. It says in Luke chapter 2, verse 25, there was this man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Simeon was an old guy. He was, uh, just, just, just left. He, he, was, he was a believer in God, a worshiper of God, somebody that was looking for this promise from God. He did not give up hope. Maybe many people did around him, but he did not give up on the faith. He did not give up on God. It says his name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for this promised Messiah that was coming. He was waiting and waiting. His whole life was spent waiting for this. And it says the Holy Ghost was upon him. He was a a man of God. God was in his life. Verse number 26, it says this, that that he was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost, that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. God specifically told this man Simeon, he said this, Simeon, you will not die until you see the promised one that I promised back in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. You will not die until you see this promise. God gave him a promise and he was waiting on it. He was waiting on it all of his life. I'll tell you this, God gives us many promises. If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, and you enter into His Word, and you, and you fill your life with the Word of God, God will give you very specific promises that you can live on. And to understand that that's what was going on in this man's life, he was waiting for God to come through on what He promised. He was waiting all of his life. Then it says in verse 27, this, this very personal promise becomes very clear. It says, he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when his, uh, when his parents, this is Mary and Joseph, brought the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. What happened in the book, in, in, the, in the law, in the time of Israel, they were when that firstborn son, they would go and take that to the temple, take that baby to the temple and offer a sacrifice as a way of symbolizing, uh, 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 like, like, really ultimately symbolizing God giving His Son. That's basically why they did that. And it was a, a symbol that they would do, a, a ceremony that they would participate with a firstborn son. So they, Mary and Joseph were very obedient. They brought Him to the temple after the custom of the law. It says Simeon did this. He took Him up. He saw this baby and He took Him up in, the, in His arms and He blessed God and said, Lord, now let us Thou servant depart in peace according to Thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Here's something beautiful. God gives you a promise. And you're going to be waiting for a while for this promise to come through. But there will be a day when you get to hold that promise in your arms. There will be a day when you get to hold that promise. There will be a day in God's perfect timing in your life when you will see what God has promised you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? That day is coming. And that day that day may come after a long time of silence. Some of you have been praying for something for years. 
for years. And God has told you that he will give this to you. But you've prayed for years and it hasn't happened. Maybe you've been begging God for something and, and it's been promised to you and it has not come to you. And you, you are, you're, you're thinking that God will not come through. You will hold that in your arms someday in God's perfect timing. He perfectly, got, he, he says he took him up in his arms. He blessed God. He thanked God. He says, now Lord, I can die in peace according to thy word. God always keeps his word. Do you believe that? God always keeps his word. Always. You can trust his word. You can depend on his word. It says, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. The promise of God was salvation. Simeon himself, in a very personal way, saw it with his eyes. Saw Jesus, whose name means salvation, with his very eyes. The promise in your arms feels good. Promise, when God gives you his promise, and you see it, and it happens, and it's tangible in your life, there's a great sigh of relief. When God gives you his promise, there is great joy. And I'll tell you this, that Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15, when that was given, that baby's cry in Bethlehem, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That is confirmation that God keeps His promise. God keeps His promise to you. I don't know, that's probably this year just something that has truly jumped out at me when it comes to the story of Christmas. So what are God's promises? Well, I would encourage you this. Go to the Word of God. We are ignorant as believers of what God has promised us, we are unaware of what God has promised us. I would encourage you, if you have a relationship with God, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I would encourage you for 2019 to get in this book and find the promises of God. To find what God wants to do in your life. We go through life with so little because we know so little of what God has promised us. When God promises you things, believe God. No matter what, Believe God, because God keeps His promises. But I do have to share with you God's greatest promise. You probably know this by heart, but John chapter 3, verse 16. Greatest promise in all the Bible. Can we quote that together if you know it? Ready? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is God's greatest promise. Greatest promise. That's the first promise. That's the promise you need more than anything. That if you believe on Jesus Christ, God will give you eternal life. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 59, verse number 2, it says that our sins have separated between us and God. There is not a person in this universe that entered this world with a relationship with God. You may say, Pastor Jay, I have known God all my life, and I will say you are flat out wrong because the Bible says opposite. The Bible teaches that every one of us, we are born sinners, that we are born separated from God. And if you're counting the fact that you've always known God, you are trusting in very flimsy ground with your soul. To understand that, that we are sinners. We have offended a holy God. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that we go through life without God. We have no hope. And we don't have, we're without God in this world because of our sins. 
But I love the promise of God. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. To understand the promise that God has given is that if you believe in Christ and what He's done for you on the cross, He died for your sins, He was buried, He rose again. If you believe on that, then God gives you eternal life as a free gift, a wonderful free gift. You don't have to earn it It's been earned already. It's been paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the promise of God? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The key is believe. What is belief? Belief means trust. In the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 45 Verse 22, it says this. It says, look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth. It's it's a simple look of faith. It's to say, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I'm separated from God. But I know Jesus died for me. And I'm going to look at Jesus. And I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. Not on anything else, but except on Jesus Christ. And what He did for me on the cross. I believe Jesus in His work. I believe Jesus is the one that God sent. Then God promises to save you. God promises to give you eternal life. I was sitting with a young man this week. He was helping me out with a project in my home. And I, I sat down and I said, listen, i got to talk to you. i got to ask you this question. Do you know if you were to die, you'd go to heaven? And he said, no, I, I, I don't. I think I do. And I said, no, no, let's sit this down. and Let me take you from, to the Bible and show you how you can have eternal life. How you can know where you, that you have a relationship with God. And I took the word of God in my kitchen table and showed him several verses about believing on Jesus Christ. I said, are you willing and ready to do that? And he goes, I'm ready to do that. And right there in my kitchen table, while we were doing a project, we bowed our heads. My, my friend received Jesus, prayed and received Jesus as his Savior. And you know what? According to God's promise right then, he became a believer on Christ and he was saved. The greatest promise that anybody could give you, that God could give you, is John 3.16. That if you believe on Christ, you shall be saved. To understand God's word is loaded with promises. That's the most important one. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, why don't you look by faith to Him today? Why don't you believe on Him? Why don't you receive Him as your Savior? Why don't you trust Him to save you? I would beg of you this morning, in your heart, in a private way to do that. Why? Because God keeps His promises. Maybe you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Most of you are believers in Christ. And I would encourage you to to do this. Look to Him. Stop looking at your problems. Stop looking at your fear. Stop looking at your failure. Stop looking at your disappointment and discouragement. And look to Him. Trust in Him. God will not fail you. Do you believe that? Let's say it. Ready? God will not fail me. Let's say it one more time. Ready? God will not fail me. God will not fail you. Believe in Him. Even when He's silent, keep the faith. That manger is proof that God keeps his promises. And all God's people said, amen. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for today. 
Thank you for listening to this audio ministry of Grace Baptist Church. To find out more about our church, please visit www.gbcministry.org. Blessings.